Hi, I'm Mike Phil. I'm Mike Butler. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Generic Ad. Join us every Wednesday as we talk about films that seem to be forgotten by audiences, whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time or the film simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the film, maybe don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. You never know, you might find your own forgotten gem. Forgotten Cinema is available wherever you get your podcasts or at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com or ForgottenEntertainment.com as we are a proud part of the Forgotten Entertainment family i swear i talk more in the episodes hello there i'm daniel and i'm anders we're nerds who love science fiction and fantasy stories so of course we love star wars and if there's one thing the internet just doesn't have enough of it's nerds talking about star wars so each episode we journey to a galaxy far far away to discuss what's new in the star wars canon and beyond this is yet another Star Wars podcast. Yes, and today we are so excited to dive into the mid-season finale episodes of The Bad Batch. Yes. The episode, they were so good. I, I was so hyped. I, <laughs> two episodes this week was perfect. Mm-hmm. The episodes were written by Dave Filoni and Jennifer Corbett. They were directed by Nathaniel Villanueva and Stuart Lee, respectively, with supervising director Brad Rao. So, this serves as your official spoiler warning for these episodes and all things Star Wars. A lot of Easter eggs, a lot of homages this week. So, if you're ready, grab a drink from the mess and get to your Senate pod as we discuss The Bad Batch Season 2, Conspiracy, and Truth and Consequences. Daniel, you ready to punch it? All right, let's do it. All right, let's get going with the episode recap. So, the clone conspiracy starts off with two clones, Slip and Cade, discussing the destruction of Kamino. Cade knows it was the Empire, not a natural disaster like the Hollow Net says, because he was actually there. He saw it. Uh, he was He's warned Rampart that if he doesn't admit the truth, Cade will. Slip is worried, and outside the bar, a sniper takes out Cade. Which, yeah, guess you were right to be worried, man. I was very not surprised by that. As soon, yeah, as, no, as, soon not- as he said he sent a message to Rampart, I was like, oh, dude, don't do that. You're going to fucking die now. You never send the message before you've already, like, presented the proof to somebody. Like, come on there. In the Senate, debate is underway for Admiral Rampart's defense recruitment bill. That shady bitch. Banking clan and Commerce Guild are in favor, but the other senators are nervous about an army made of civilians. or Well, of citizens. I mean, the clones were an emergency act. This isn't something that they just necessarily want to do out of the blue. El Organa, he asked Masamedia for the emperor's position. He's like, hey, we've never seen him here. What's going on? The Grand Vizier tactfully states that the emperor trusts the Senate to do what is right. So Senator Chuchi, for her part, is worried about the fate of the clones. At least someone is. She brings up a good point. If they are forced out, what are they going to do? The empire owes them for fighting the clone wars. And Rampart actually agrees that such provisions can be negotiated into the bill. Things are looking a little promising. Yeah, Never trust right. a politician, but, you know, no. we'll see. So Chi goes to meet with some of the clones to gather their opinion on the issue. And most of them are saying that they'd rather just stay soldiers and fight. It's what they were literally born to do. Mm-hmm. But she's like, look, even if they could let you do that, it, it can't last forever. Your accelerated aging just makes it inevitable. But at least now they can potentially help decide their own fate and their own futures. She really just walked into that bar and said, hi, can I talk to you about retirement? (laughs) Later on, Slips flags down Chuchi and tells her not to trust Rampart. He tells her everything that Kate told him about Kamino and how the clones who tried to speak out on it were either reassigned or just straight up disappeared. Mm -hmm. Later on, Slip is calming with someone 
and he's saying, hey, I'm ready to go. You, you need to come get me now, please. Over in the Senate, Chuchi and Rampart are negotiating to support a full clone pension plan. Mm-hmm. And much later on in the episode, Rampart's talking to Masameda and it's like, look, don't worry, man. It's irrelevant. As long as the bill passes, like we'll have our army long before any of these provisions could actually kick in. So don't don't worry about it. It's fine. Wait, we don't have to honor the bill. No. Chuchi meets also with Bail Organa, and they agree that it's probably not a smart just choice to trust Rampart at his word. Fair. Uh, and Chuchi yeah. tells him, she ends up just telling him about Slip and his full story from Camino. She reveals everything she knows. Rampart's uh, calming with the sniper about the whole thing, so we are, in fact, confirmed. He was behind it all. And he says the sniper needs to take out Slip and Chuchi too, if if it comes to that. Chuchi meets with Slip. She tracks him down, and he's like, "What the fuck were you followed? How the hell did you find me?" Uh, <laughs> if you can get to me, they can. It's like yes, mm, which yeah, turns out, yeah, true. yeah, they can. Chuchi's trying to convince him to come and testify to the Senate. He's flat out refusing, saying, "No, I did my part." And the sniper takes. I'm him about out. to get murdered, and then he does. <laughs> Yes. Like, you're not listening, Chuchi. So the sniper takes out Slip, but he does manage to tell her, look, if you can get into Rampart's ship and the command logs, everything's still there. All the data you need. Chuchi manages to escape with the help of Rex, who was the one coming to smuggle Slip off planet. They manage to capture the sniper, but he chomps on a capsule and electrocute kills himself rather than talk because he is a true believer. Yeah, that was absolutely wild. That was nice. I, uh, I was like, okay, we're doing that on the show. <laughs> then we move into Truth and Consequences, which starts off with the Bad Batch being called in by, by Rex. They need to sneak onto Rampart ships to get those command logs and prove what happened on Camino. So they decide they're going to do that. Omega goes with Chuchi to the Senate and learns that the clones don't have representation there. And Omega, being a clone, is pretty concerned by some of this. Uh, they meet with Senator Organa, who points Chuchi at the former Kaminoan senator. So Chuchi tries to convince the Kaminoan to testify about Rampart misappropriating funds long before Camino fell. But Hallie Bertoni just does not want to do that without proof, out of self-preservation. Uh, so she's just not willing to put her neck out there. It's a long neck. It could be injured easily. Uh, So (laughs) she says, yeah, Chuchi says, all right, we're going to have the proof. Don't worry about it. The bad batch managed to break into Rampart's ship and get the data. Uh, It turns into a bit of a thrilling escape though. They have to turn the engines on and just cause the ship to go off of its dock. Pretty fun uh, escape. So they managed to get to the the recordings to the Senate just in time. So Rampart's lies are put on full display. All the senators get to see his ships attacking Camino right there in the chambers. And uh, that's when the Emperor comes into the chamber. (laughs) He just spins it perfectly. He says, Rampart is a rogue element who must be held accountable. Like, it's That's a really perfect. good Palpatine. Thank you. I've uh, I've practiced the smoker voice and then just <laughs> turned it into Palpatine. Um, it, he he spins it so well, saying like 
you've exposed this dark element in our empire. We can't let things like this happen. And look at how the clones, you know, they're so willing and ready to take orders because they're clones. Maybe we need to have real people who think for themselves. He spins it so perfectly. And of course, Rampart's like, no, it's fine orders i was following orders but we don't like you rampart so it's cool um yeah it is it is a win for the emperor so even though that the bad batch you know got what they needed they still uh still have the bill passes and uh yeah emperor is just two steps ahead of everyone at least though chuchi says she's going to keep fighting for clone rights so we're hoping that keeps going in the future and as everyone's getting ready to leave though Echo reveals that he's going to go with Rex. Omega is highly upset, which, you know, understandable, but she respects his choice. And uh, it's nice to see all the bats just understand without anything having to be said. It's oh. Omega is the only one who needs to be explained because she's a kid. She doesn't get it. Yeah. Oh, it's so, so good. All right. Let's go into our initial reactions. So, Daniel, I think it's fair to say we're both pretty, pretty hyped on these. Yeah. Yeah. Very much enjoyed these. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, this just felt like a very, very classic, like once it finally really hit its stride, Clone Wars arc. Yeah. A couple episodes long. We're getting couple, we're getting some different perspectives. It was really, really cool. Uh, kind of calling back to season one, the the episodes with Hera where we had that first episode that was very much, we didn't even really see the Bad Batch. Exactly. And then we they get brought in in the second half. And those kind of episodes are fun. They let you, you know, step away from the main group for a little bit. You get to see a new perspective. And then it's fun how they all bring it together and bring the Batch into it. Mm-hmm. Do you have any particular favorite moments? Um... Oh, Rex popping out of the smoke. That's just, he's our boy. He's iconic. Love to see it. <laughs> uh, seeing the Imperial Senate, though, was really cool. I I love being able to get a view into it. And even though it's the same chamber, it feels different uh, between like Andor and this. You can tell that the uh, Imperial Senate is not nearly as lively or bright a place as it used to be. I mean, it was never perfect when it was the Republic, but it wasn't as uh, oppressive as it is as the Imperial Senate. Yeah. I, I liked the Senate. I loved watching Rampart get arrested. Yes. It's just very satisfying. Very satisfying to see. And then I, I oddly, I loved the moment where they're walking through the halls of the Senate, Omega's with Chuchi, and they like they meet, I think they meet Rampart. Uh, in the hallway and it pans down to Omega and she's just like, hello. <laughs> the tone of I her voice. I gotta go back and rewatch that. It, it reminds me of, I can't remember the specific movie, but it's like kind of like one of those classic scenes um, in like a family comedy type thing where, you know, the kids have found some sort of special friend, whether it's like an alien, a monster or whatever. And they're like, no, mom, dad, don't freak out. And, and the monster's just like, Hi, which causes the parent to scream. It was that type of hello. I'm picturing like a fully like real life family and then them just introducing Omega, but it's her still animated. Yeah. Just saying that. 
Oh my god. My god. Uh, before we move on, though, I do have to say I really liked. You know, you talked about this before, how we got the different focuses. We got the back alley scheming and we got the backroom politics scheming. We got adventure. Like, we got some, like, drama, like some thrills, you know, when the Emperor came out. Like, that was, that speech he gave was was pretty good. Like, it, they did a good blend of different types of, you know, story beats in this. Like, different... um you know what I'm trying to say. My mind has yeah. just gone blank yeah, as I'm saying just, this. There were so many just like different layers in this yeah. episode, and they pulled together a lot of threads. We'll talk about that actually in a little bit. Mm -hmm. But for now, let's get into those Easter eggs, connections, callbacks, homages. Mm -hmm. There were several this episode, and I'm going to start us off with the titles. So we start with The Clone Conspiracy, which harkens straight back to an arc in the Clone Wars that we loved that is very, very similar to what was going on with Cade here. That is of our dude fives. One of the episodes in that arc is actually just straight up titled Conspiracy. Yeah. So it's a and pretty direct that reference. Bar, that bar, the clone bar, makes an appearance in those uh, I think so, yeah. In those episodes. That's when Fives discovers the truth about the control trips in the clone's heads, and he's trying to get the word out. That mm -hmm. this is going to happen, but he is hunted down and framed in order to cover it up. Rest in peace, Fives. And then we have Truth and Consequences. Now, this is a nod to Truth or Consequences, which is famously the name of a town in New Mexico. Uh, it's also appeared uh, as a setting in a Tom Clancy novel and a very good episode uh, arc of Doctor Who. Now, the name itself, the town voted to rename itself after a radio game show from the 1940s, which was later on TV kind of intermittently throughout the entire like 50s through the 80s. And the, the show, Truth and Consequences, what happened was contestants would be have to answer impossibly difficult trivia questions in like a very short span of time. And if they managed to if they didn't manage to answer, they failed the truth part and got consequences and had to perform like some kind of ridiculous stunt. So just like our heroes, they're in this race against time to get the truth out. But even if you succeed, you are probably still going to have to receive some consequences anyway. I have never heard of that before, and that is amazing. <laughs> oh, man, I love that. Somehow, though. Palpatine has returned, but at least this one's justified because it's makes sense in the universe. Yes. Uh, fantastic <laughs> that they just called up Ian McDiarmid and he's like, yeah, of course I'm in. I mean, no hate to Sam Witwer. We love him and he does a fantastic emperor, but anytime I can get Ian, let's go. Absolutely. I mean, we, we saw him in the trailer, but we weren't really sure how he was going to be used and just seeing him come up out of the the chamber floors like that, I was not expecting it. I didn't think they were going to do it this early. And seeing him back to his just maneuvering the chessboard, however he feels like, it's it was so great. I loved it. It really was. And another character that's back this week is Rex. I mean, we kind of called it last week that we were like 99% positive Rex was going to turn up this week. Because yeah. we had seen him in the trailer, so we knew he was showing up at some point. Uh, but it's really cool here to see him in a position we haven't before. 
I mean, yes, eventually he does become an Alliance soldier, but he's like an underground smuggler here. You know, he's smuggling out clones. Looks a lot like what we saw in Obi-Wan Kenobi with the path was smuggling Force-sensitive back out to safety from the Empire. Yeah. So to see him, it's another kind of callback to the idea that the rebellion grew from these like individual cells that kind of all naturally sprung up and then eventually exactly. managed to network together. Found each other along the way, yeah. Mm-hmm. But he's not the only one who's back again, Daniel. Who else is? That fucker is back. Masa Meta, the, uh, Empir- the Emperor's Grand Vizier. So he's still there in his place with his horns sticking out, just you know, being the little mouthpiece and lording his position over the subordinates. Like, you're not force sensitive. You're not a Sith. You're not, you just get to talk for the Emperor. And when he's done with you, he'll be done with you. I'm t- uh, Masameda, you're a jerk. Yeah, he's the worst. <laughs> Next up, we see a lot of familiar senators this week. Now, the first one I'm going to mention here is actually we haven't seen before. <laughs> that would be yeah. Gani Riduli. But even though this is his first appearance, he is representing the Intergalactic Banking Clan. Now, that has appeared before. They were a part of the Separatist Alliance during the Clone Wars. And Gani is an Ishi Tib, a species which first appeared back in Return of the Jedi. We'll see in them. And someone that we love seeing at any time, Bail Organa. He is back. Leia's dad is there at work in the Senate. Uh, you know, he's there from Alderaan, which still got some time. And uh, yeah, good to see he's back being voiced by Phil Lamar, just like in the Clone Wars. So yeah, it was always fun seeing him. It is always fun. I do wish that they got Jimmy Smith, though. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I think course. he's always he's always down to put the costume on. He doesn't necessarily want to go to the recording booth, though. I mean, who doesn't want to play Star Wars dress up? <laughs> well, someone who did want to go to the recording booth, though. Uh, is Sharon Duncan Brewster. Now, she is the actress who is voicing the character, Senator Palmo, who is the senator from Taurus. And if that senator looked familiar, it's because Sharon also played her in live action as one of the members of the Rebel Alliance Council in Rogue One. And you guys couldn't see it, but I was pumping my fist when Anders said Taurus because that is a planet from Knights of the Old Republic. Woo! Video game reference. (laughs) Get it in there. Um, I love KOTOR and I will never stop talking about it because we have a KOTOR voice actress here, Jennifer Hale, who has been a voice actress in literally everything. She voiced Senator Ryo Chuchi. So Chuchi is a Pantoran. She was there throughout the Clone Wars, many events in the series. One of the more notable ones, her and Ahsoka Tano sneaking aboard a Trade Federation ship, blocking her planet, and they go and rescue some Pantoran children. So... Yeah, she's been around, and we love her. She's cool. Yep. And then we have Miss Hallie Bertoni, voiced here and in The Clone Wars by Jamila McMillan. The now former senator for Kamido is still kind of always scheming. Her appearances during The Clone Wars, her primary motivation seemed to always be profit, but you're never quite sure on where she stands on things, and she's always calculating her next move for her own benefit. They have to bring this up because this is ridiculous. Her name is Hallie Bertoni, and she represents Camino, who is supplying a clone army. And she is always scheming and looking for profit. Her name is Hallie Bertoni, Halliburton. Guys, if you think George Lucas 
is not a political guy if you think star wars is not about politics this cannot be more clear like he literally said in interviews that the rebels are the Viet Cong. He named a senator supplying the Republic with an army. Halliburton. <laughs> My gosh. So I just, that's the most on the nose Star Wars name in the world. <laughs> and I love it. Uh, so it is nice though. We get a safe place to hide out. Rex mentions the garage belongs to some friends of his. So that's the Martez sisters, you know, the uh, lower level orphan siblings who became allies of Ahsoka Tano in the final season of the Clone Wars. We also got to see them in the Bad Batch season one episode decommissioned. So, yeah, nice knowing that they're helping out. I was like, I remember they were going down there and I was like, oh, that looks a lot like wait, they're in a garage. That's yeah. yeah, that is. And then he says, oh, this belongs to friends of mine. And I'm like, yep, that's right. <laughs> we got you. We know yep. who you are. Next up, we talked about this a little bit earlier that uh, using as a last resort, the capture clone uses a hidden capsule to end his own life rather than stay captured. Uh, this is actually not the first time we've seen this. Yeah. Another true believer, uh, that would be Titus Wolliver's kind of unnamed captain in the Imperial Remnant, uh, did the exact same thing in the Mandalorian episode, The Heiress, although at first he shot his bridge crew first. Yeah, I'm going to have to rewatch that episode because... What an amazing bit of Mandalorian badassness in that episode. <laughs> Love seeing stormtroopers just get wrecked by Mandalorians. Mm-hmm. And uh, speaking of things getting wrecked, in a precursor to the pretty standard, oh yeah, that Death Star test was totally just a gas explosion narrative. The Empire initially tried to blame the destruction of Kamino on a natural disaster. In this case, a really bad storm knocked over the city that's designed to weather storms and be submersible. Yeah. Like if you're going to come up with an excuse, come up with a better one. This also kind of made me think back to Andor a little bit, because I, I know we talked about it a little bit, but I was, you know, the idea of what happened on Canary, that if yeah. it was, if it was actually a mining accident or if it was something to do maybe with operation Cinder. it could be anyone. It could be both. Or not Cinder, but. And oh last... yeah, Operation Center is not that one. Yeah, that no, would be not Center, but you know, something something early, early in the Empire's reign. They love to do war crimes. It was probably a war crime and a natural disaster in one. Mm-hmm. And lastly, we have the old mantra for the clones: Crosshair's favorite phrase: "Good soldiers follow orders." Now, Rampart's insistence during his arrest that he was just following orders is again. It's a callback to that running phrase that's among the clones. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, him using it in his own defense of a pretty horrific act is definitely a straight-up nod to the Nazis who tried to use the exact same excuse, excuse in the wake of the Holocaust. <laughs> yeah, like, I- I'm sorry, just following orders. You genocided an entire people. Yeah. Like, what? how is that... A justification, you fucking loser. <laughs> I'm so glad to see Rampart, you know, get arrested because he sucks. Still, true justice is not going to be done for a while. So R.I.P. Kamen Owens. We're sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry, but at least people know. Yeah, at least people know now. Um, so we got to talk about some things, though. Yeah, we got to talk about some things. First up, Echo's choice. This is this was hard to see him walk away from the batch, 
But I mean, calling back to his captivity during the Clone Wars, he was a reg. We we kind of should have known that Echo would do this. I mean, he wasn't always part of the Bad Batch. He joined later on. Mm -hmm. So I'm not surprised he's wants to be out there fighting the fight because that's the kind of soldier he was. He wants to help his brothers that he went through this war with. But what is that going to mean, though, for the Bad Batch? Maybe they'll get a real droid companion now. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I hate to say it. Him and Tech were a little bit redundant. They, they're they a bit of an overlap. They can be. I, I think yeah. that this is good. This really kind of fits in with the theme that they've really had this season about finding your place. Like yeah. he and Omega have had. As far as the rest of the season goes, it's kind of setting itself up to be a little more like like Clone Wars was. Because now we have we can follow him when he's off with Rex in one place and then we can jump to another part of the galaxy and have the batch. And then we can, you know, potentially see something happening with another character we've met along the way. Yeah. Maybe we see an episode with crosshair along the way too. Yeah. We see crosshair and then allowing all of those things to kind of develop separately over the next few weeks to hopefully everyone meets back up in the finale. That is my hope as well. Mm hmm. Next we have, like I said, this episode has a lot of layers and a lot of things coming together and it's all really centered around the clone retirement. So we finally see the moment where the Empire made the official choice to phase out the clones. And there's just a lot going on with this decision. Right? Last season, Rampart and Tarkin were definitely in favor of the cheaper option to just conscript citizens and maintain the clones. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess that includes even maintaining them in their retirement. Yeah. Juji also points out a certain inevitability to the move. Like, the clones age faster, so it was going to catch up with the ones that made it through the war sooner or later anyway. Yeah. And in kind of a culmination of all the work the storytelling has done to remind us that the clones are thinking, feeling, beings, Chuchi actually asks them, what do you truly want? What? How can we help give you control over your own future, your own destiny? That's something they've not had any time to think about before. So that is a heavy, heavy burden to put on someone whose entire existence has been, I'm a soldier and I want to be a soldier. Yeah. And then finally, we also see Palpatine at his most politically savvy, proving he does still kind of have what it takes to do this. So looking at it, either the Senate was just going to pass the bill like he wanted or he had Rampart ready to go as a scapegoat to deflect blame from Kim from Camino and get it passed anyway. So uh, there was some speculation kind of online this week about like, uh, did he let the bad batch find the evidence? Like how in control was he of the situation? I think he didn't, he didn't do that. He didn't know that they were going to do that, exactly. but he was absolutely prepared for it. If it did happen. This man is playing uh, like 4d chess. He's, he doesn't know what's going to happen. He's not, omniscient like he he doesn't like oh hunter has stolen the plans so thus i have to come <laughs> to the senate chamber like no he just is always planning ahead and he's always ready to turn on the like he's he's ready to turn on a dime and be ready to like do whatever he needs to do right so i bet he was just waiting in that chamber below there seeing uh, if they pass the vote cool if for some reason they don't I'm going to come up there and say something. The fact that that recording came on, you know, he just sat there 
folded his hands and giggled to himself a little bit because he's like, oh, <laughs> they've served him up on a perfect platter. Like this is, he always is thinking. He's a schemer. That's what he does. He engineered an entire war to get control. There is no way that he was going to let something like this get past him. Yeah. And then lastly, it, I find it do I find it a little humorous that Rex, who is currently like kind of on the run and part of this underground, in theory, when we meet him in Rebels, he's taking advantage of those clone retirement benefits that Chuchi negotiates here. Because <laughs> the Empire knows where he is. They're like we know I mean, that Rex is on that planet around there. Make that money, buddy. Make that money. Yep. I mean, that just shows that he's good at what he's doing. If they're uh, still willing to pay him out, they don't know that he's out there being uh, being the badass that he is. And then uh, we also get something. Omega says that meditation doesn't work for her the way it does for Gunji. So are we getting confirmation there? Like, are they finally telling us, hey, she's not force sensitive. Drop it. I, I don't know. I, I found I just thought that was a really interesting note. When she when she says that, she's like, eh, it was kind of cool, but it doesn't work for me like it does for him. Or maybe <laughs> it's going to work later on if she keeps Good. at it. If she keeps at it, you never know. All right. Well, then let's move into our final questions and predictions coming out of this episode. Uh, we talked about kind of the main one I had. Is what is the impact that Echo leaving yeah. on the rest of the season, indeed the entire series? And then again, is it a good or a bad thing that seems like some of the absolute best episodes of the show don't feature the title characters? Yeah. I, I don't really have a problem with it because they always manage to bring them in. They, but I think it's a question worth asking. They keep giving them, like giving these stories to the bat or to other characters. At, at some point, you got to give some of these more compelling stories to your main core. Like, <laughs> I, I, yeah, like, don't get me wrong. Absolutely loved episode three with Cody and, and Crosshair working together. Give something with that kind of weight to Hunter and Wrecker and Tech and Omega, <laughs> like, which, uh, granted, I'm hoping, at least I'm hoping this is a catalyst for the rest of the batch to realize, like, hey, they've got to step up. They just can't keep doing jobs for Sid from a narrative and character standpoint. They're kind of, you know, spinning their wheels. And I think Echo might be like Echo leaving might be the thing that makes them realize we've got to step up. We've got to do a little bit more. Maybe Crosshair questioning things and Cody leaving. He will start to find a way to reconnect with them. Maybe we Could get be. some sort of reconnection in the uh season finale i'm i'm hoping that crosshair and the and the batch meet up at some point this season because I, I i need to see the kind of interactions they've had especially after you know the the changes that crosshair has been going through mm -hmm. and uh i don't know about you but does it feel like maybe they're putting us on an end game scenario like a path to one it feels like this next half of the season could kind of you know snowball into something bigger it feels like there's something looming but it's not clear what and it feels like it might be leading into something big in season three it could i think i mean with the passing of the recruitment the recruitment bell here it feels like we could be seeing them face off against true stormtroopers 
Yeah. Right. Because we had we saw them, they they dealt with them last season in a very small way. Just that's yeah. that small battalion that um or small group that Crosshair had. Maybe we are ultimately building towards like the unveiling of a Star Destroyer. Oh. Oh, that would be perfect. And seeing the Empire truly kind of morph into its form that we see it in in like Rogue One, A New Hope. That yeah. To see like the the real birth of the empire yeah like finally moved on beyond the clones that that might be where everything's leading towards Mm -hmm. which i mean we assume that is but god it would be great to see on screen i know it'll be really cool all right well i think that is where we are gonna leave it for today so thank you all for joining us today you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at YSWPod. Follow us wherever you're getting your podcasts. Hit that follow button. Uh, check out all of our previous episodes on the main Star Wars films, other great Star Wars content. Uh, you can catch, you can go back on the Bohemian Geek Studies feed and for our season one coverage that we did last year. And check out all the offerings in the Forgotten Entertainment family at ForgottenEntertainment.com. Uh, and then you can find Colleen's Star Wars book reviews on BohemianGeekStudies.com. And join us next time when we take a look at the next few episodes of The Bad Batch. Colleen should be back with us at that point once she's uh, back from vacation on those beaches in the season opener. Yeah, she is not at the beaches of Niamos. <laughs> no, because those beaches sucked. But until then, remember that the truth will out. Bye, everybody. Bye.